This is going to be a timeline discussing Soleimani and why he was such a bad guy. So to understand Soleimani and why he was a bad guy, you really have to go back to 1953. 1953 is when the CIA backed a coup that ousted Imperial Iran. Now, why is this significant? Well, Imperial Iran, if it existed, Soleimani couldn't have existed. Shortly after that, in the mid-1950s, Afghanistan starts growing opium. That's important because opium's important with everything. 1975, Afghanistan takes over opium production from the Golden Triangle after a drought. I know, I know, bear with me, but it gets better. 1977, Israel sells missile technology to Iran called Project Flower. And here we go. 1978 is the Iranian Revolution. This is significant because the Iranian Shia Revolution establishes the government that currently runs today and also inspires Soleimani to join the IRGC later on to take part of something that's larger than himself. This is Soleimani's defining moment. Later that year, a hardline Muslim in Afghanistan stops heroin production. In 79, Taraki is assassinated. A pro-U.S. Muslim named Amin is put in power, and heroin production is reinstated. Later on in 79, Soleimani joins the IRGC. This period is extremely volatile. The Iranian revolutionary government seizes hostages from the U.S. Embassy in Iran. You have to remember that the Cold War is going on at this point. With a U.S.-backed Muslim in Afghanistan, it is too close for Russia to allow it. So in 79, Russia invades Afghanistan to oust the U.S.-backed Amin. The U.S. is focused on Russia invading Afghanistan. Iran is assisting Shia rebels in Afghanistan. Saddam sees that Iran is also having a revolution of its own. Saddam Hussein from Iraq takes that cue to go ahead and initiate the Iraq-Iran War in 1980. Now remember, Soleimani joined the IRGC in 79. Iraq invaded in 1980. Soleimani is quoted as saying, I entered the Iran-Iraq War on a 15-day mission and ended up staying until the end. The Iran-Iraq war is a key moment in Soleimani's career because this is where he shows that he is a tactician and he knows how to fight. The typical strategy of generals was to send waves and waves of Iranians at the enemy and just watch them die. Soleimani thought that there was a better way. He wanted to use tactics in order to defeat the enemy. This made Soleimani stand out. More and more evidence is coming to light that the Reagan campaign negotiated behind Jimmy Carter's administration to have the Iranian revolutionary government hold the hostages until after the election. Then the Reagan administration would help Iran fight Saddam in the Iran-Iraq war. In this same year, a little-known socialist who supports the USSR and communism spreading throughout the globe, remember, this is the midst of the Cold War, the socialist named Bernie Sanders 
actually backs the radicals who are holding U.S. hostages in Iran. Then we have 1981, Reagan takes office. Also, on the same day that Reagan took office, the hostages in the U.S. embassy in Iran are released. Later in 81, there is an assassination attempt on Reagan's life. Later on in 81, we have the Iran-Contra scandal. Iran-Contra starts in 81. Hostages are released. A new president takes over, and he immediately that year decides to start selling this antagonistic government weapons. It primarily takes place between 85 and 86. But in 82, Reagan and the Pope meet. Also in 82, the Lebanon War with Hezbollah, who are Shia fighters, is ongoing. In 1983, the Beirut barracks bombing happens. Reagan pulls troops out of Lebanon. At this time as well, Soleimani is involved in Operation Dawn 4, which is not a movie, inside the Iran-Iraq War. 1983, the Mujahideen forms in Afghanistan to fight off Russia. Now remember, they wouldn't have formed unless Russia invaded Afghanistan. The Mujahideen are Sunni. Iran is Shia, they are Sunni. 1983, also Clinton is elected governor of Arkansas. He'll remain governor until 1992. 1984, Iran is designated by the U.S. as a state sponsor of terror. Also in 1984, Reagan establishes diplomatic ties with the Vatican. 1988, Iran-Iraq War ends. Also in 88, the Russians pull out of Afghanistan. 88 as well, Al-Qaeda, Sunni faction, is formed by Osama bin Laden. 1989, Bush is elected. This is the dad. 1990, the U.S. takes part in Desert Shield and Storm. Now, this pisses off Al-Qaeda uh, because Saudi Arabia chooses the U.S. to defend them instead of Al-Qaeda. Now, remember, Al-Qaeda formed in 88, and they fought in Afghanistan. They think that they are the biggest reason why Russia pulls out of Afghanistan. Osama bin Laden believes that Arabs, specifically Sunni Arabs, should take care of themselves and not have the U.S. in Saudi Arabia 1992, Bush is advised by Barr, and yes, this is the Barr that is the current Attorney General, to pardon six people involved in the Iran-Contra scandal. Daddy Bush is most likely cleaning up the mess he made from the Iran-Contra scandal under the Reagan administration. So this is coming back, so keep that in your mind. 1993, Clinton is elected president. So he was governor, and now he's elected president immediately off that governorship. 1994, Taliban, Sunni, uh, forms from the Mujahideen. So the Mujahideen morphs into or breaks off from the Taliban. And you're going to see these uh, Sunni groups that are become a problem for the U.S. are constant breakaways. 1996, a guy named Webb breaks a story about the CIA selling drugs in the U.S. using Arkansas from the 1980s as a stop in their drug trafficking ring. Remember, who was the governor of Arkansas during that time period? And where is he now? He's now president. Drugs were being moved through his state and being sold in America to fund the CIA. That is what Webb's story was. Also in 96, Taliban forms a government in Afghanistan. 1998, we go back to Salami. Salami was appointed as the head of the Quds Force in 1998. 
Now, this is significant because Quds Force means Jerusalem Brigade. The Quds Force deals with all military action outside of Iran. So pretty much anything going on from this point, he is the head of it. Any uh, actions by any Shia, Shia groups, he is directing. We're talking Lebanon, that's Hezbollah, Syria, Afghanistan, Yemen, Iraq, all these places, Salami is now directing what they do. So he is directly responsible for their actions. The Quds Force, or the Jerusalem Brigade, their main job is to take back Jerusalem. Now you will watch as the next few decades, the Quds Force and Salami destabilize the entire region in order to meet their goal. And this is where he earns the name the Shadow Commander. Also in 98, remember, the Taliban was Sunni, Iran is Shia, Iran masses forces on the Afghan border. So what happened here was, as the Taliban took control, established their government, they found some Iranian diplomats in Afghanistan, and they killed them. So when they killed them, Iran got mad. Now, here's again where Iran failed to do anything. They launched some artillery and then walked away. They didn't attack. So Iran got mad massed their army, and walked away. Iran will show a pattern of getting mad and doing nothing. The next year, 1999, Clinton has a chance to kill Osama bin Laden and misses. 2001, Bush is elected. This is the son. Also in 2001, the Taliban decides to stop producing drugs in Afghanistan. They go ultra-conservative and say, we are going full Islam, no drugs. Immediately after that, 9-11 happens. Shortly after that, Afghanistan is invaded by the U.S. Another notable point from 2001 is that Afghanistan becomes the world's leader in opium export. Okay, remember, earlier in 2001, Taliban, I believe his name was Omar, decided to stop producing opium. By the end of the year, they were the world's leader in opium production. I will ask you this question. Why did we go to Afghanistan? 2002 is Bush's State of the Union. This is important because Bush calls Iran part of the axis of evil. States like these and their terrorist allies constitute an axis of evil, arming to threaten the peace of the world by seeking weapons of mass destruction. Now, for whatever reason, this is alleged to be the point where this just sets off Iran and so they say, what? Prior to this point, um, Iran has actually been helping the U.S. fight Sunni factions in and around Afghanistan. That same year, the Taliban becomes an insurgency fighting the U.S. In 2003, the U.S. launches the Iraq War. At this time, with the U.S. fighting Afghanistan, Al-Qaeda in Afghanistan has two places to go. They can go to Iran or they can go to Pakistan. Let's do a quick recap. Iran is Shia. Al-Qaeda is Sunni. They don't like each other. But the one thing they both like less is the U.S. at this point. Iran allowed Al-Qaeda members to move into Iran and then through to Iraq. Iran then allowed Al-Qaeda's leadership to operate and conduct operations out of Iran in Iraq. In 2004, there had been enough of a leadership change and a mission change for Al-Qaeda that they evolve over time into ISIS. They're still Sunni, but they're ISIS. 
They are also still operating out of Iran inside Iraq. So ISIS stands for Islamic State in Iraq and Syria. Another term you'll hear around this time is ISIL, which is Islamic State in the Levant. The Levant is just a broad regional term around the Mediterranean that goes from Greece through Turkey down to Egypt and Libya. I will just use the term ISIS to track the group. Continuing on in 2004, ISIS members are now fighting in Iraq and they're operating out of Iran. They're now bringing weaponry with them. This is when the Iranian-made EFPs, explosive-formed projectiles, the EFPs were significant because they were able to penetrate armor. So what would happen is you have an explosive, and then you'd have a metal plate, usually copper, and as the explosive exploded, it would blow out this copper plate, which would then form, as it exploded, into a sort of like a bullet. And this would penetrate through light armor. To relate this to salami, the tactics of ISIS had changed. It was explosives. The U.S. troops started using up-armored vehicles. And then it escalated to Iranian-made EFPs that could then break through that armor. The proliferation of this technology was exclusively under the purview of Salami. Remember, as leader of the Quds Force, he directs all Iranian-backed fighting outside of Iran. As we move on to 2006, Israel is engaged in another war in Lebanon. In this war, Soleimani gave an interview after the fact, and he talked about how he was there being chased by Israeli drones and involved in the fighting and pretty influential in that campaign. Later on in 2006, President Bush is heard talking on a hot mic to Prime Minister Blair of the UK. The incident became known as Yo Blair, even though he clearly says, yeah, Blair. And they talk about the fighting in Lebanon. This is directly referenced by Soleimani. The link is on the website. From here on out, things are get a lot more media driven. So be sure to check the website. You can follow along and see the associated articles, sources, and media. Now back to the timeline. By the end of 2006, the Lebanon War had ended. It was only about 33 days. And Salami's focus during that period was in Lebanon. Remember, Salami is the Quds Force commander. His job is to take back Jerusalem, the Jerusalem Brigade. He needs access to Israel. He needs Iraq, Syria, and Lebanon as connecting states he can move through to get to his goal. I'll just call this the Quds Corridor. So Salami finishes up in Lebanon and comes back to Iraq to focus. He is quoted as saying to the U.S. command, I hope you have been enjoying the peace and quiet in Baghdad. I've been busy in Beirut. In a movie, they would call this foreshadowing. He is announcing his return to the region and he is saying that things are about to get crazy again. Later on in 2006, General McChrystal establishes a task force to hunt down the Quds Force fighters in Iraq. 
because they're becoming that much of a problem. We know they're there, and now McChrystal decides he wants to take them out. This is a significant period, because prior to this, we knew they were there, but we refused to take them out or detain them. Let's peek back over at the U.S. during 2006. The Bush administration's ATF initiates Operation Wide Receiver. Now, what is this? From 2006 to 2008, Bush initiates the precursor to Obama's Fast and Furious scandal. 2007 becomes a really important year as well because with McChrystal's initiative to capture Quds Force members, the U.S. captures five Iranians and almost Soleimani himself in a town called Erbil. Also in this year, the U.S. and the U.N. sanctions Soleimani himself as a terrorist because of his terrorist ties. Let's recap this. Bush has established the war on terror. General McChrystal is chasing Quds Force members in Iraq. Soleimani is in Iraq. So at that time, back in 2006, the U.S. military was hunting Soleimani. During this period, Soleimani was considered the shadow commander. Bush almost captured Salami back in 2007. After that raid, nine days later, a Shia Iranian-backed force that we will leave to the website conducted a raid in Karbala. The fighters captured four U.S. soldiers who they later executed, killed one in the raid, and wounded three more. Let's think about this. Who controls Shia fighters outside of Iran? who was almost captured by U.S. forces nine days earlier. What country's forces were captured nine days earlier? It doesn't take long to see what this guy was capable of. To get a better feel for his power in 2008, let's go to General Petraeus and see what he has to say about his interaction with Salami. He sent a message that said, General Petraeus, you should know that I, Qasem Soleimani, control the policy of Iran for Iraq and also for Syria, Lebanon, Gaza, and Afghanistan. And the implication of that was that if you want to deal with Iran to resolve this situation in Basra, that you should deal with me, not with the Iranian diplomats. Uh, and his power only grew from that point in time. By the way, I did not I actually told Qasem Soleimani to pound sand. The full five-minute audio recording of his talk with an interviewer is on the website. I recommend you go listen to that. It's five minutes, really quick and easy. But it gives a lot of insight onto the power of Soleimani. Remember, this was 2008. Imagine the power he had gained by 2020. And look at what Petraeus is saying about him. He was a bigger target than Osama bin Laden. Some sources say... He was the second most powerful man in Iran by 2020. 2009 brings a power shift in Iraq. What people don't understand is the military was at war in Iraq. Iraq was a war zone during this time period. Power operates on a zero-sum model during war. If someone loses power, someone else is gaining it. A major part of why power was shifting away from the U.S. at this point and into the hands of Iran, and more specifically, Salami, was 2009 
Obama is in office. Obama begins pulling back and restricting the activities of U.S. forces in Iraq, which leads to this power vacuum that is filled by Mr. Salami. If we look back at the U.S., Obama and his ATF initiate Operation Fast and Furious that will continue on until 2011. Also this year, Obama appoints Hillary Clinton as his Secretary of State. 